Volume six, chapter seven of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Amanda Hindman. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Frances Burney. Volume six, chapter seven. An anecdote. On the fourth day the house wore a better aspect. Delville's fever was gone, and Dr. Lister permitted him to leave his room. A cough, however, remained, and his journey to Bristol was settled to take place in three days. Cecilia, knowing he was now expected downstairs, hastened out of the parlour the moment she had finished her breakfast, for, affected by his illness, and hurt at the approaching separation, she dreaded the first meeting, and wished to fortify her mind for bearing it with propriety. In a very few minutes Lady Honoria, running after her, entreated that she would come down, for Mortimer, she cried, is in the parlour, and the poor child is made so much of by its papa and mamma that I wish they don't half kill him by their ridiculous fondness. It is amazing to me he is so patient with them, for if they teased me half as much I should be ready to jump up and shake them. But I wish you would come down, for I assure you it's a comical scene. Your ladyship is soon diverted. But what is there so comical in the anxiety of parents for an only son? Lord, they don't care a straw for him all the time. It's merely that he may live to keep up this old castle, which I hope in my heart he will pull down the moment they are dead. But do, pray, come. It will really give you spirits to see them all. The father keeps ringing the bell to order half a hundred pair of boots for him, and all the great coats in the county and the mother sits and looks as if the hearse and morning-coach were already coming over the drawbridge. But the most diverting object among them is my Lord Durford. Oh, it is really too entertaining to see him. There he sits, thinking the whole time of his challenge. I intend to employ him all this afternoon in practising to shoot at a mark. And then again she pressed her to join the group, and Cecilia, fearing her opposition might seem strange, consented. Delville arose at her entrance, and with tolerable steadiness she congratulated him on his recovery, and then, taking her usual seat, employed herself in embroidering a screen. She joined, too, occasionally in the conversation, and observed, not without surprise, that Delville seemed much less dejected than before his confinement. Soon after he ordered his horse, and, accompanied by Lord Durford, rode out. Mr. Delville then took Lord Arnolf to shew him some intended improvements in another part of the castle, and Lady Honoria walked away in search of any entertainment she could find. Mrs. Delville, in better spirits than she had been for many days, sent for her own work, and sitting by Cecilia, conversed with her again as in former times, mixing instruction with entertainment and general satire with particular kindness, in a manner at once so lively and so flattering that Cecilia herself, reviving, found but little difficulty in bearing her part in the conversation. And thus, with some gaiety and tolerable ease, was spent the greatest part of the morning. But just as they were talking of changing their dress for dinner, Lady Honoria, with an air of the utmost exultation, came flying into the room. "'Well, ma'am,' she cried, "'I have some news now that I must tell you, because it will make you believe me another time, though I know it will put you in a passion.' "'That's sweetly designed, at least,' said Mrs. Delville, laughing. "'However, I'll trust you, for my passions will not, just now, be irritated by straws.' 
"'Why, ma'am, don't you remember I told you when you were in town that Mr. Mortimer kept a mistress?' yes cried mrs delvile disdainfully and you may remember lady honoria i told you oh you would not believe a word of it but it's all true i assure you and now he has brought her down here he sent for her about three weeks ago and he has boarded her at a cottage about half a mile from the park gate cecilia to whom henrietta belfield was instantly present changed colour repeatedly and turned so extremely sick she could with difficulty keep her seat she forced herself however to continue her work though she knew so little what she was about that she put her needle in and out of the same place without ceasing meanwhile mrs delvile with a countenance of the utmost indignation exclaimed lady honoria if you think a tale of scandal such as this reflects no disgrace upon its relator you must pardon me for entreating you to find an auditor more of the same opinion than myself nay ma'am since you are so angry i'll tell you the whole affair for this is but half of it he has a child here too i vow i long to see it and he is so fond of it that he spends half his time in nursing it and that i suppose is the thing that takes him out so much and i fancy too that's what has made him grow so grave for maybe he thinks it would not be pretty to be very frisky now he's a papa not only cecilia but mrs delvile herself was now overpowered and she sat for some time wholly silent and confounded lady honoria then turning to cecilia exclaimed bless me miss beverley what are you about why that flower is the most ridiculous thing i ever saw you have spoilt your whole work cecilia in the utmost confusion though pretending to laugh then began to unpick it and mrs delvile recovering more calmly though not less angrily said and has this tale the honour of being invented solely by your ladyship or had it any other assistant oh no i assure you it's no invention of mine i had it from very good authority upon my word but only look at miss beverley would not one think i had said that she had a child herself she looks as pale as death my dear i am sure you can't be well i beg your pardon cried cecilia forcing a smile though extremely provoked with her i never was better and then with the hope of appearing unconcerned she raised her head but meeting the eyes of mrs delvile fixed upon her face with a look of penetrating observation abashed and guilty she again dropped it and resumed her work well my dear said lady honoria i am sure there is no occasion to send for dr lister to you for you recover yourself in a moment you have the finest colour now i ever saw has not she mrs delvile did you ever see anybody blush so becomingly i wish lady honoria said mrs delvile with severity it were possible to see you blush oh but i never do not but what it's pretty enough to but i don't know how it is it never happens now euphrasia can blush from morning to night i can't think how she contrives it miss beverley too plays at it vastly well she's red and white and white and red half a dozen times in a minute especially looking at her archly and lowering her voice if you talk to her of mortimer no indeed no such thing cried cecilia with some resentment and again looking up but glancing her eyes towards mrs delvile and again meeting hers filled with the strongest expression of inquiring solicitude unable to sustain their inquisition and shocked to find herself thus watchfully observed she returned in hasty confusion to her employment well my dear cried lady honoria again but what are you about now do you intend to unpick the whole screen 
how can she tell what she is doing said mrs delvile with quickness if you torment her thus incessantly i will take you away from her that she may have a little peace you shall do me the honour to attend my toilet and acquaint me with some further particulars of this extraordinary discovery mrs delvile then left the room but lady honoria before she followed her said in a low voice pity me miss beverley if you have the least good nature i am now going to hear a lecture of two hours long cecilia left to herself was in a perturbation almost insupportable delvile's mysterious conduct seemed the result of some entanglement of vice henrietta belfield the artless henrietta belfield she feared had been abused and her own ill-fated partiality which now more than ever she wished unknown even to herself was evidently betrayed where most the dignity of her mind made her desire it to be concealed in this state of shame regret and resentment which made her forget to change her dress or her place she was suddenly surprised by delvile starting and colouring she busied herself with collecting her work that she might hurry out of the room delvile though silent himself endeavoured to assist her but when she would have gone he attempted to stop her saying miss beverley for three minutes only no sir cried she indignantly not for an instant and leaving him utterly astonished she hastened to her own apartment she was then sorry she had been so precipitate nothing had been clearly proved against him no authority was so likely to be fallacious as that of lady honoria neither was he under any engagement to herself that could give her any right to manifest such displeasure these reflections however came too late and the quick feelings of her agitated mind were too rapid to wait the dictates of cool reason at dinner she attended wholly to lord arnolf whose assiduous politeness profiting by the humour saved her the painful effort of forcing conversation or the guilty consciousness of giving way to silence and enabled her to preserve her general tenor between taciturnity and loquaciousness mrs delvile she did not once dare look at but her son she saw seemed greatly hurt yet it was proudly not sorrowfully and therefore she saw it with less uneasiness during the rest of the day which was passed in general society mrs delvile though much occupied frequently leaving the room and sending for lady honoria was more soft kind and gentle with cecilia than ever looking at her with the utmost tenderness often taking her hand and speaking to her with even unusual sweetness cecilia with mingled sadness and pleasure observed this increasing regard which she could not but attribute to the discovery made through lady honoria's mischievous intelligence and which while it rejoiced her with the belief of her approbation added fresh force to her regret in considering it was fruitless delvile meantime evidently offended himself conversed only with the gentleman and went very early into his own room when they were all retiring mrs delvile following cecilia dismissed her maid to talk with her alone i am not i hope often she cried solicitous or importunate to speak about my son his character i believe wants no vindication clear and unsullied it has always been its own support yet the aspersion cast upon it this morning by lady honoria i think myself bound to explain not partially as his mother but simply as his friend cecilia who knew not whither such an explanation might lead nor wherefore it was made heard this opening with much emotion but gave neither to that nor to what followed any interruption 
Mrs. Delville then continued, she had taken the trouble, she said, to sift the whole affair, in order to shame Lady Honoria by a pointed conviction of what she had invented, and to trace from the foundation the circumstances whence her surmises or report had sprung. Delville, it seemed, about a fortnight before the present time, in one of his morning walks, had observed a gipsy sitting by the side of the high road, who seemed extremely ill, and who had a very beautiful child tied to her back struck with the baby he stopped to inquire to whom it belonged to herself she said and begged his charity with the most pitiable cries of distress telling him that she was travelling to join some of her fraternity who were in a body near bath but was so ill with an ague and fever that she feared she should die on the road delvile desired her to go to the next cottage and promised to pay for her board there till she was better he then spoke to the man and his wife who owned it to take them in who glad to oblige his honour instantly consented and he had since called twice to see in what manner they went on how simple continued mrs delvile is a matter of fact in itself and how complex when embellished this tale has been told by the cottagers to our servants it has travelled probably gaining something from every mouth to lady honoria's maid and having reached her ladyship was swelled in a moment into all we heard i think however that for some time at least her levity will be rather less daring i have not in this affair at all spared her i made her hear from mortimer himself the little story as it happened i then carried her to the cottage where we had the whole matter confirmed and i afterwards insisted upon being told myself by her maid all she had related to her lady that she might thus be unanswerably convicted of inventing whatever she omitted i have occasioned her some confusion and for the moment a little resentment but she is so volatile that neither will last and though with regard to my own family i may perhaps have rendered her more cautious i fear with regard to the world in general she is utterly incorrigible because it has neither pleasure nor advantage to offer that can compensate for the deprivation of relating one starring story or ridiculous anecdote and then wishing her good-night she added i make not any apology for this detail which you owe not believe me to a mother's folly but if i know myself at all to a love of truth and justice mortimer independent of all connection with me cannot but to everybody appear of a character which may be deemed even exemplary calumny therefore falling upon such a subject injures not only himself but society since it weakens all confidence in virtue and strengthens the scepticism of depravity she then left her ah thought cecilia to me at least this solicitude for his fame needs no apology humane and generous delvile never again will i a moment doubt your worthiness and then cherishing that darling idea she forgot all her cares and apprehensions her quarrel her suspicions and the approaching separation and recompensed for everything by this refutation of his guilt she hastened to bed and composed herself to rest End of chapter 7 Recorded by Amanda Hindman in Glen, Mississippi www.livinginbooks.blogspot.com